0: Hello, this is Wisdom for Life. Pastor Glenn Hammond's here with another motivational moment in the Word. Today we're talking about being led by the Spirit of God and how we can walk in obedience and submission to His leading. In John chapter 1, verse 32, John gave this testimony concerning Jesus Christ. He said, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain upon Him, Him being Jesus, in the verse. So John said you would recognize Jesus in two ways, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and also the Spirit remaining upon him. When you compare the Spirit's activity upon Jesus in the New Testament to the Old Testament, you see a stark contrast. You see, remaining is something different from the Old Testament presence of the Holy Spirit upon people's lives. In the Old Testament, when you consider the judges, like Gideon, Or the kings like Saul and David, the Holy Spirit came upon people in moments or in instances. But when we look at Jesus here, we see that when he is baptized, the heavens are open, never closed from that point on, by the way, and then the Spirit descends and then remains upon him, and then powerful miracles would then soon follow. That is completely different from the Old Testament, where the Spirit would come upon individuals for moments of time and then come upon them again at another time. Here with Jesus, the Spirit had remained. We see that Jesus had the Spirit upon him, but the first thing that the Spirit does is not powerful miracles through Jesus. The first thing that the Spirit does is lead Jesus to the wilderness to be tempted. We see in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, that Jesus was led by the Spirit, not by the enemy, into the wilderness to be tempted. By the devil. Right after being filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus was led by the Spirit into a dry place, into a wilderness. And I want you to watch the progression here. Leading follows filling. After Jesus was filled, he was led. It happened naturally because we will be led by whatever we are filled with. If we are filled with selfishness, we'll be led by selfishness. If we are filled with anger, we'll be led by anger. If we are filled with offense, we'll be led by bitterness. But if we are filled with God's peace, joy, and righteousness, which is what being filled with the Holy Spirit is, then the Spirit of God will guide our life. So, a good question might be, how do you know that you are filled with the Spirit? And how do you know what you're filled with? When there is pressure from life, the response is what then comes out of you. You see, the stress and the strain push out of you what is in you and the spirit that is within you. Here's an example. Perhaps you get up in the middle of the night and you're going to use the restroom or to get a drink of water and you can't see, the room is dark, and you end up stubbing your toe across that dreaded piece of furniture. What comes out of you next? Is it something that is a curse or is it something that is a blessing? Is it something that glorifies God or is it something that curses in the moment? You see, what you're filled with is what will lead you. And Jesus even taught this. He said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth flows. The Bible tells us that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. If you are filled with the Spirit, you are filled with these things. And when the pressure of life comes, the stress and the strain will push out the Spirit that is within you. Trying to change from the outside in is the wrong way to change then. The way that we change is being filled with a different spirit and having a different heart that the Lord gives us. Then when the stress and the strain of the world comes, the spirit that is in us is different and the outcome is different. So many of us want to follow God and want to be led by the Holy Spirit, but we first have to be adequately filled by the Holy Spirit. And then when we are, we must understand that the Spirit may not lead us right away to places of miracles and and great glory, just in the same way that it didn't lead Jesus to those places right away. How do we focus on leading from the Holy Spirit? So, should we be seeking God's leading alone? Yes. But that leading will not necessarily be informational. We should focus on God's filling and that leading is relational the spirit of god leads those who are filled with him and walk with him in relationship being led then by the holy spirit is a mark of relationship the bible says in romans chapter 8 verse 14 for as many as are led by the spirit of god these are the sons of god if you are a son of god then you are walking in maturity You carry the Father's name, and you walk in the example that the true Son of God, Jesus Christ, had walked here on earth, being led by the Spirit. You know, in the area where I grew up as a kid, there were lots of lakes, and that area of my hometown itself was very near Lake Michigan. This meant, because of the water, that lots of cute little ducks and geese would cross the street with their mamas to get from the lake into the woods. And you had to watch out for them as you drove along the roads. You see, all of those little ducks or those little sons, those little daughters, would have to follow their mama so that they would be safe and they would be in a place where they could be provided for. I believe in the animal world this is called imprinting. And it's the inherited trait that some animals use as a means of survival. It happens very early on. And if it doesn't happen, as soon as the animals are born, then it may not ever happen at all. When we come to know God in Christ, we experience a new birth. And in that new birth, we become imprinted too. We must come close to the Holy Spirit. We must desire to be in His presence. And the result is an imprinting. Therefore, wherever God leads and wherever His presence is next, we desire to go too. It's not informational as much as it is relational. God may not tell us every single detail of the next step of faith or where he calls us to be. All we need to know really is where God is. Is his presence near us or are we far? And all we need to know is how to get closer to him. If we get close to him in his presence, then we can follow him and we will be where he is and do what he does. Our father didn't just give us a road map to follow, but he also gave us a guide to lead us. Well, there's a road map that he has given us in the Bible, but the guide that he's given us is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads us, just like that mama goose would lead her her geese and how that uh, mama duck would lead her ducklings. He would go ahead, she would go ahead, and the rest of the animals would follow. The Holy Spirit goes ahead of us. And he leads us through the Bible, inner promptings, a still small voice, perhaps even through a word of wisdom or knowledge, sometimes a prophetic word, the counsel, of course, of others, but also circumstances, and sometimes through divine signs. But ultimately, it's his presence and the word of God that trumps them all. These are the two major eyes that lead us forward with vision, keeping one eye on the word of God and one eye out for the presence of God and what God is doing next. People frequently ask me, How do you know the voice of God? Or how do you discern the leading of the Holy Spirit, Pastor Glenn? When you walk full of the Holy Spirit, God's heart leads your heart. Your heart begins to break for what breaks His. And whatever gives His heart joy will give your heart joy. You will have the desire to go where He goes and do what He does. As you remain close to Him, you end up where God wants you, and doing what God wants you to do. Because we want to be near God in His presence, we join God in what He's already doing. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is always doing the will of God. So then, there is no mystery to the will of God. It isn't complicated at all. It's as easy as becoming a child that holds His Father's hand and remains with Him as they walk through a crowd of people perhaps from a ball game. That child only knows where his father is and that his hand is in his father's hand and holds on and walks with his father and stays with his father. This is what Jesus told people was the secret to his ministry success time and time again here on earth. He said, What you see me do, I see the father doing. I don't do anything that the father isn't doing. What you hear me say, I hear the Father say. So that being led by the Holy Spirit is just like when family members or friends follow you to a place they've never been before, perhaps to eat something or to have some fun. You could speak to them, step-by-step instructions, or you could just say, follow me. And as they make sure that they turn where you turn and remain close to you in their vehicle, they end up at the destination doing what you do. The Spirit will never lead you to a place that He is not going. You will know where you are and what you are doing because He is doing those things and He's doing them in that place. And you've gotten there because you remained close to Him. Likewise, Jesus did not tell His disciples to become or do anything or go to any place on their own. His words were simple. Number one, come. Number two, follow. Number three, he said, I will make you fishers of men. Do you see how simple it is? All that is required of us is to come and follow. God will make us into who we are supposed to be. So why do we make this walking in the Spirit and knowing God's will so hard? Paul's theology helps us with the understanding that the issue is not informational, but really relational. We don't have to have a long list of specific instructions from the Lord before we can be led by the Spirit of God to do His will. You see, that's informational. All that is required to be Spirit-led is to desire to be close to the presence of the Spirit of God by practicing His presence every day in our lives. Your carnal nature will fight against this, though, because it wants to go its own way and have its own way. This part of you must be laid down on the altar before the Lord and given to him as a sacrifice first. And that's why Paul mentioned Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2, where he said, I urge you therefore, brethren, by God's mercies, that you present your lives, your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be ye not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Did you hear in those verses that first, our carnal lives and our bodies must be laid down? That nature of wanting to lead ourselves is surrendered. It's given up first. Then secondly, our minds are renewed by the word of God. Then thirdly, we're able to then prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. It really follows in that order, and it's much simpler than it seems. So the question shouldn't be, how do I hear the Holy Spirit, or what information should He give me next? The question should be, how can I stay close to the Holy Spirit, and how can I move with Him and do what He does? How can I then stay full of Him, not only during the times when I need a clear direction, but all the time as a lifestyle? I have a way to illustrate this. There have been times that when I was in the living room and my wife was in the next room, which is really separated by a wall, I would ask my wife something, but she wouldn't hear it. Not because I didn't speak, but because she was too far away to hear it. She would say, what did you say, Glenn? So I would only say it louder. But again, she wouldn't hear it, so I would say it louder And, you know, rinse, repeat. It would go on and on and on. Until we actually found a way to come closer, she couldn't get the meaning of the things that I'm saying. If you can't hear the Holy Spirit, don't fret and worry about it. Just focus on being filled, because whatever you're filled with, you will be led by. And to be filled with the Holy Spirit only requires you desiring to be close to God and asking Him. God will fill you with his spirit because it's his gift to you and it's it's his will for you to be filled. You see, the Holy Spirit doesn't like to scream. He doesn't want to yell from a distance. He doesn't want to yell again and again and again for you to not be able to hear him. The Holy Spirit truly speaks in a whisper. And that's why you must come close enough to hear those whispers. When my wife and I are in the same room, I don't have to scream. I can speak very softly, and she enjoys that, and I do too. I can speak quietly because she is close, and I am close. If the Holy Spirit has to scream for you to hear him, it means you're too far away. He whispers because he wants the intimacy. He wants the closeness. He wants relationship. What comes as a surprise is that the first mention of Jesus being led by the Holy Spirit wasn't into a place that was full of wonderful displays of power. It wasn't a place that was full of great miracles, but it was this place that was filled with well dryness and wilderness. It was a place where Jesus was led into fasting and also was confronted with temptation. In other words, the first place the Holy Spirit led Jesus was into a battle. The Spirit didn't lead him to preach or to heal or to deliver, but into the wilderness and into fasting. When we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, we will begin to hear His promptings, but they are not usually the leading we would expect to desire to hear. The Holy Spirit leads us to pray, to fast, to humble ourselves, ask forgiveness, extend forgiveness, give sacrificially, and serve without complaining. All these things hurt our flesh and lay our carnal nature and our lives down on an altar. Remember that first step from Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and verse 2? That's what I'm talking about here. You see, most people, in fact, would ignore that voice and rebuke it, thinking it was the devil, because they're addicted to comfort. Then they would ask God why he is not speaking and wonder how they can hear God's voice again. Following the Spirit, though, means death to the flesh. It means a detachment from materialistic things, or at least depending on them. It means giving up something good for something better that God has promised. And let's not be surprised if our hearing of God's voice will begin with something that will cost us. God's voice usually leads to sacrifice before it leads to success. We say God bless you today, and we say God's mercy be upon your life. Thank you for listening.